Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today in history, in 1872, Victoria Woodhull becomes the first woman nominated for U.S. president. And this is 48 years before women even gained the right to vote. Okay, welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history? I am your fuckboy, Zachary, because fuckboys, I'm ready to get into some history tonight. Uh, I'm Megan, and I'd like to say that I am still bad at math and doing the subtraction between 1872 and 1920 was a lot for me, so you're all welcome. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that an army mathematician named Tom Lehrer invented the jello shot as a clever way to skirt a no-alcoholic beverage rule, since jello shots technically aren't beverages. That's true. Uh, this man's my hero. They're abominations. He's, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, given that I've been on the wrong end of a few jello shots in my day. Did someone shoot them at you? <laughs> what well, jello shots are terrible. I yeah. will say, being able to just skirt the rules like that feels very Lord Byron to me, and also heroic as fuck. No, yeah, it, I mean, true. it is pretty great. Call G.I. Joe, that's a real American hero. A real American So, like, hero. being on the wrong end of a jello shot, like, the right end, I assume, is, like, you consensually getting it in your mouth. Yeah, no, but... like, the wrong end of the jello shot, Megan, because I know that you don't drink is the hangover in the morning. Oh, you know, I've heard tell of yeah. these things called hangovers, but I assume someone was just shooting it out of, like, a jello shop bazooka, and that was the wrong end of it. <laughs> yeah, not quite. I like that version um, better. I do like that version. I agree with Zach. Yeah, I think it's a good one. But we should definitely march on. A game of rock, paper, scissors has been played, and the order today... Orner? The Orner? The Orner. Uh, the order today is me, followed by Zach, followed by Megan, who nominated to go last. So, we will start this motherfucker off with the news that we are once again doing one of our subtle bits. And if you can pick up on it, you might win some goodies. Probably not. I'm staying in my wheelhouse, which is stories that revolve around uh, the World Wars, whether it be the World War One. Or the World War Two. I hear there is an upcoming sequel, The World War Three, but we are awaiting news. So I don't know. I feel like sometimes we're living it, but like that's up for debate, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. But I am going to be talking about a gentleman by the name of Ernest Hemingway, and we're going to talk about what the fuck he was up to during the World War Two. Can we just start calling him Hem Dog? Yeah, we which, can. Which <laughs> we sounds like absolutely. a pot strain. It does. <laughs> hey, you got any that good hem dog, bro? I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Right? I'll be honest with you, Megan. Um, yeah. It does sound like a pot strain uh, named by someone who has never heard of other pot strains in their life. Use kids smoking pot. Use, <laughs> use kids smoking the Johnny Red Eye. Ernie Boberney had an extremely he had been extremely interested in participating in the world war ii mm -hmm. given that before the war started he was writing an introduction for a book called men at war and men at war was essentially like an anthology series of like short tales about, about men, men at, at war. war yeah oh. yeah that sounds, that sounds right <laughs> fucking puzzle piece that together yeah. Sometimes you don't have to be creative with the title, right? Yeah, sometimes you don't have to try too hard. But he was like, fuck boys, I really want to to do some war shit. <laughs> I want a war. I want to be the very best in this war called uh, World War II. But he gets his blood pumping from uh, writing the introduction to this book. 
and he offers to help the ambassadors of Cuba and the United States of America because he was, you know, hanging out in Cuba. He was in, I think, Havana, it was, when he offered to help. He told the governments of these respective countries, he was like, yo, I got some friends from back in the good old days of the Spanish Civil War that I can, you know, mush together, like, right quick if y'all need it. And the governments were like, ha ha, yeah, sure, for sure. Like, for, for sure, sure. <laughs> maybe we'll need them. Who can really say? The The problem being that some of his friends, and by some, I mean all, of, all his, of his friends, friends were of very ill repute. Oh, okay. <laughs> this led to some Russians seeking out young Ernest Hemingway and being like, hey, bud, we would really like to have you on our team. And he's hey, like, you want to switch sides to the Ruskies? He's like, nah, guy, I'm good. According to sources, the only thing that he got from the Russians was drunk. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's awesome. Naturally. So do you think he was also on the wrong side of the jello shots? He probably was. Many yeah. a time. I don't think that they had been invented yet. The future Jello shots. I'm pretty sure that pretty sure that they're made with vodka and not gin. So that's no. where we are with that. Uh, but he ends up assembling a group of friends, and he refers to them lovingly as the Crook Factory. Okay. <laughs> and they were made up of, and I'm quoting here, a bizarre combination of Spaniards, some bartenders. A few wharf rats, some priests, assorted exiled counts and dukes, several loyalists, and Francistas. Now, when you're quoting this, are you quoting this from the man, the myth, the legend himself, or...? I'm assuming yes. Yeah, he. this is how he describes... Because... His best friends. I believe this is his own words. His own words. <laughs> I'm gonna go in and say, and because we say nerdy things on this podcast... He just assembled the greatest D&D team he could. He like, did, he was like, yeah. Okay, sure. I need a barbarian, a couple of yeah. fighters, a cleric. He a was definitely ready to fight God, I think. <laughs> so, wait, since you bring up the D&D party, this is a very yeah. important question. Sure. Um, what class is Sir Ernest? He's I a goddamn he's bard. DM. No, he's, he's the, the DM. Oh, he's the DM. Okay, you're right. As the writer. He assembled the party. He's writing yeah. the story. He's writing the story. All right. I would agree with Zach, though, that if he's not the DM, he's definitely a bard. Okay. That's fair. Okay. That's, that's, I'll okay. allow it. Dear I'll listeners, this is the part of the podcast where I remind you that we're all fucking nerds. <laughs> Anyways, true. Hemingway was conspiring with all these people, which, as I mentioned, they're not the greatest human beings. Um, but he was also seen with those Russians that I mentioned only moments ago because they were trying to get him to switch teams. He started to raise eyebrows in the community because he would just, like, he'd spend time with these criminals, he'd spend time with the Russians. And so all of this ends up getting reported back to the head of the FBI, one J. Edgar Hoover. Stop. And... J. Edgar Hoover tells the person who reports this to him, uh, fuck off, because Ernest Hemingway is a loyal American citizen. And then after having that conversation where he tells this person to fuck off, he then contacts the Cuban ambassador and says, hey, maybe let's not let a civilian do whatever the fuck you were going to have Ernest Hemingway do. Because we don't want that. <laughs> we don't want that kind of shade. Yeah, we're not about it. So essentially, J. Edgar Hoover puts the kibosh on Hemingway getting uh, getting any action in this war. But <laughs> there's always a but. The Nazis had different plans. Huh. Why do I feel like this war was fought in between like the Axis powers, but? The Axis and the Allies, right? But then there was also yeah. the third front, which was yeah, the Crook Factory, the Axis, yeah, and Ernest Hemingway himself. 
the great sovereign nation of Ernest Hemingway. The great <laughs> sovereign nation. The sovereign ruler, Ernest of Hemingway. The worst thing about the Nazis is... Uh, everything? That, well, yeah, everything. But they were also pretty keen military strategists. That's true. He said, ignoring the fact that they tried to go to war with Russia in the winter, as so many had done before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you can't invade Russia during mud season, okay? There's just, you can't get through it. As it so happens, the Nazis stumbled across this great bit of information that literally everyone stumbles, uh, stumbles upon at one point or another. Uh, they decide to target supply, supply lines. God, my mouth is too tiny today. Um, so they decide to target supply lines by sending U-boats, and for those of you that haven't reached this part of history yet, U-boats are submarines. But they send U-boats to destroy ships, and uh, they sank a fuckload of boats. I think while I was doing my research, they had they had hit like upwards of 400 Shit. in a very short window of time. The fuckload of boats being sunk coincide pretty well with the attacks on Pearl Harbor, which left the U.S. in this sort of limbo predicament where they no longer have enough boats to go fuck up the U-boats, and they also, you know, find themselves engaged otherwise. And so what they do, instead of, like, commissioning new ships and doing all that, is they instead ask United States yachtsmen to arm themselves and act as auxiliary forces. So a bunch a bunch of boat boys from Greenwich, Connecticut, all they board their fuckboy yachts. They board their fuckboy yachts. Exactly. It's a bunch of guys who are like, oh, I don't want to take out daddy's boat. And Ernest Hemingway going with a shotgun saying, let's fucking go. Yeah, and he's mean, like all grizzled. Ernest what's, Hemingway with the Doom soundtrack kicks in. Oh what's super God. fun about this, too, is that Hemingway had been like waiting for this. <laughs> he had been waiting to assemble the fuckboy yachts. He already had the fuckboy yachts assembled, is the oh, thing. Oh, okay. So he's... he's just sitting there waiting with Mjolnir, like, at the end of Endgame, being like, fuckboys, assemble. <laughs> Let's sink some ships. So Ernest sees this as his chance, and he takes it. He becomes one of the first American yachtsmen to sign up, and he's using his own personal yacht, fishing vessel, called Pilar. Pilar? Yeah, P-I-L-A-R. I oh, okay. I can only imagine that it's named something else, but uh, or it's pronounced somehow else, but I don't know for sure. I mean, if if it's said like pillar, it could just be an ode to his own dick. So it could be. Damn. We'll talk about that in a minute. So he receives five hundred dollars a month to use his ship as an auxiliary, and he used that money to great effect. He stockpiled gasoline, ammunition, weapons, and he got himself ready, good and ready, to engage the enemy. But I want to read an excerpt from a book that is about his life. I don't have the exact uh, name of the book. I forgot to cite my sources. Don't at me, teachers. But here it is. Just to sort of give you an idea of Hemingway viewing this as a fun outing as opposed to, like, actual shit. So the quote goes as follows. He named this mission Operation Friendless after his favorite cat. Just after the operation began, his sons, released from school for summer vacation, rushed down to Cuba to join their father and his crew of friends a band of ragtag sailors and would-be warriors on a real war mission against the Nazis, pursuing U-boats in the Cayos while fishing, swimming, and sunning in the endangered straits of tropical paradise. I am imagining this going down where they're just like reeling in fish and some people swimming and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we see one. Ernest Hemingway's got a fucking cigar in his mouth and is like, hold up, just grabs a stick of dynamite, lights it with the end of the cigar and hucks it. <laughs> and it's like, whoop, I think I got him. He's yeah, like, boys, so, out of the water. Out of the There's water, about to be a explosion. Dynamite. Yeah. 
I'm about to yeet some explosives. So he has a ton of small arms. He at one point thought about outfitting his his fishing vessel with heavy cannons on or like machine gunnery on the top deck, but he decided against it. So essentially his plan was for his vessel to look like just a normal fishing vessel. And then when they spotted a U-boat, they would engage it. They kept all of their weaponry below decks. And I just want to explain to you. So the point was for them to go and hunt U-boats because they didn't have any real way to engage with (laughs) a U-boat. The plan ostensibly was to lure German ships to the surface. Then they were going to plug them full of bullet holes. And then they were going to lob grenades at those like bullet hole filled (laughs) areas and hope that they would blow up (laughs) a U-boat. So how did they plan on luring to them to the surface? Because what I'm imagining is Ernest was like, I literally know nothing about U-boats or Germans, but I have heard tales of schnitzel. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, my version is something similar. It's just Ernest Hemingway in a bikini saying, oh, boys. (laughs) Hello, boys. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of his children pop up with machine guns saying, you're fucked. But, like, in all my research, it doesn't specify how he would... Because I'd imagine that an American yacht, fishing vessel, whatever you want to call it, looks nothing like a supply boat at all. And so I don't know how he thought that he'd lure Germans to the surface. Now, this is where our story takes a very sad, sad turn, which is that in the time that he was stationed in the Caribbean hunting Nazi U-boats, he and his crew never fired a single shot. He tried. And never encountered a single U-boat. It's okay, man. It was a good summer vacation. A real wet, hot American summer. Guns yeah, and Yeah, it was, it was hot girl summer, but during World War II, and there were no girls. It was only Ernest. Yeah, and, uh, and a boat full of men and his sons. Yeah, hot um, girl summer. But, <laughs> but his, uh, I think the funniest part about uh, exploring this story was that he often wrote letters home to his wife, and because he was out engaged in the war she was doing her own thing back home um she was writing a book which she would send copies to Ernest so that he could proofread write notes and send back but they would also send each other like little love messages where Ernest would often mention that he was dying without having sex with her yep or because right. he wasn't having sex with her? That sounds correct. She would write things back like, I miss you too. Are the kids having fun? <laughs> she would be like, how's the family? <laughs> He's like, I don't give a shit about the kids. I want that punani. He at one point actually wrote her a note that said that he believes he believed his dick would be uh, ruined by disuse. Oh, yeah, that is how <laughs> What that is he, works. a Kennedy? Is it? Is it true that if you don't use it, you lose, you lose it? it? <laughs> Question mark. I like how this was, he was trying to sext real hard, and yeah. his wife was like every girl who gets an unwanted DM, and it was just like, oh yeah, your pictures look nice. She'd engage to some degree, like she wouldn't, you know, sext back that hard, but she would engage to, like, a certain degree, basically telling him that she missed him too, kind of stuff. Like in a, like in a platonic way, like in a, <laughs> I mean, like in a were, we have two children They sort were of married, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know how to explain it other I'm than... I'm picturing like more, the... like, Morticia and Gomez mm. style love letters as opposed to fucking modern day millennial I showed you my dick please respond 
Please <laughs> respond. Just anything. He's, like, trying to sex her up, and she's, like, writing gushy messages, which, hey, fantastic. I think, Great for the lovebirds. I but... think what's also really funny is the fact that they were doing this interspersed with, like, notes for her book. <laughs> where he's like really liked this line take off your panties kind of yeah. like situation he's like the grammar needs to be fixed here and you might want to change the wording here but also i want you bent over a table <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so that is my story about ernest hemingway and, and the since, great summer yeah. hot girl summer hot girl summer the yeah, hot girl summer. summer of Ernest Hemingway. And apparently the kids did have a very nice vacation with Dad. Oh, that's Hunting great. Nazis. That's Hunting so good. Nazis in Cuba. Do, how old were his kids I don't at this know. Time? I did not look into that because it was sort of a minor detail. Yeah. Well, why I'm, why I'm asking is because it, if they were, like, summering home from college, like, that makes a little bit more sense to me, like them out hunting nazis but if they're like home from grammar school right <laughs> like <laughs> hey kiddo i know you're five here's an m1 grand <laughs> yeah there's just like another level there but they do have a really great college entrance essay yeah for what when they're for they already yeah what did you do it's like well that one I time i was nazis with technically Papa. Yeah, like, I was technically part of World War II, even though, like, not really. But my dad was super gung-ho about it, so I think we did our part. (laughs) I'm (laughs) doing my part. No, I just, I thought that story was really fun. Some people planted victory gardens. Other people took a more active approach and formed (laughs) a fuckboy army on yachts. Like, we all have our own (laughs) ways of doing stuff. You're helping with bread. I'm helping with the fuckboy armada. Yeah, the fuckboy armada, like, trademarked. Oh, I love it. So, if y'all are ready, I have a story for you. Yeah. Yes, tell me your story that is completely unrelated to the story that I have just told. So, we just heard a story about boats. Yeah, I love boats. But are you ready, uh, after our bout with boats, to hear about some aeroplanes? Oh. Sea and sky. The date is January of 1954, and a man by the name of Ernest Hemingway was doing (laughs) fuck all in Africa. Yep, that sounds right. Because Ernest Hemingway loved going on safaris. Apparently he was a bit of a big game hunter and just enjoyed nature as well. I hope he didn't kill all of it. Um, Hemingway and his wife, Mary Welsh, uh, were headed in to eventually make their way up to Mount Kilimanjaro. Which is important because it's A, was Mary's Christmas gift for the year. And B, also was kind of a milestone bit because uh, Hemingway had the short story, The Snows of Kilimanjaro, where one of the characters, Harry, who is dying of gangrene at the time, ends up summoning the mountain. It's a whole big thing. But also had to do with one of his short stories. That's the big point. Anyway, Hemingway and his wife get ready to roll out and go up in the air in a... Uh, I hope I pronounced this right. I feel like I'm going to botch it. But a... A Cessna 180, uh, C E S S N A, which for any you of got those it right. who like oh, a Cessna, I Cessna, think. Is... Yep. So for any of you who don't know planes, it is a small personal aircraft that holds like three to four people, pilot included. So not anything crazy. It also comes in a water plane version, which is dope. They also <laughs> have it in pink. <laughs> So I think already what I like about this story is the fact that the year is uh, 1950. We don't care about our wives, whatever. And he's like, hey, do you want to, like, go climb a fat-ass mountain with me, my love? (laughs) Do you want to just get some fat peaks in? Yeah, and she's like, that sounds really nice, because if I see another advertisement for a woman, like, hunched over a kitchen appliance, I'm gonna scream. (laughs) Darling, years ago, I took our son on a Nazi hunting adventure. (laughs) Would you like to go climb a mountain? (laughs) And she was like, I thought you would never ask, Ernest. I was waiting for our own Nazi adventure. (laughs) So the importance of being Ernest Hemingway comes into play later on. Wow, that was good. Thank Thank you you for that. (laughs) Thank you. That was a stretch, but I'll allow it. (laughs) Well, thank you. 
the pilot, good old Ernest, and his wife go up in this plane, and everything seems absolutely peachy. They're enjoying the sights, they're getting in some great views. That is until the plane gets a crack in it near the 400-foot falls of Merchesian uh, Fall up in the Upper Nile. Because, yes. As you so often do when you're flying a plane. Exactly. So the single-engine Cessna is hired for the flight and ends up crashing when the pilot tries to avoid hitting a flock of birds. Yeah. Uh, Ibises, to be specific, at low altitude. And apparently those birds are pretty fucking large. Large enough to smash the canopy of a small single-engine plane. Um, that sounds They right. do have a... Yeah, they have a wingspan of three over three feet and some big-ass beaks that are very sharp, so I'll allow it. <laughs> so the plane makes an, albeit rough, emergency landing, and the three of them are kind of stranded. The options for where they could land this downed bird, according to Hemingway, uh, a sand pit filled with six crocodiles who are sunning themselves, or an elephant track. Guess which one they chose? Uh, the elephant track. The yeah, other one. No, they made the smart decision. They did the elephant track. So they land the plane. No one gets hurt that much. And they're like, gonna like, all right, what are we going to do? I guess we're camping for the night. Uh, so they start camping out for the night. And apparently while they were camping, the snores of our dearest Mary end up attracting a herd of elephants on the this track. Bitch. <laughs> this bitch! She's got the snores big enough to attract elephants. Uh, later on, Hemingway actually told reporters, and I quote... We held our breath for about two hours while an elephant 12 paces away was silhouetted in the moonlight, listening to my wife's snores. Just chilling. <laughs> just just chilling, like, what's up? I'm just a big-ass animal. So they end up getting rescued, and they jump into a second plane to get out of their current predicament and continue on their adventure. Because why not? When you crash a first plane, just jump into a second one, everything will be fine. Guess what? What? Everything is not fine. You know, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have They get hit by the exact that. same flock of birds. <laughs> no, that'd be too poetic. That'd be too poetic. So the play, second plane ends up doing, uh, ends up ground looping, which for those of us not in the aviation community. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> it's when on during takeoff, you take a turn on the ground a little too sharp while going up and the air pushes down on one side, causing the wing to scrape the ground on the opposite side. Uh, I am not sure if that is completely correct. That is what I kind of deigned from my research. Uh, that sounds like at... video game physics to me. It's also aerodynamics. Physics in the real world are fun. <laughs> but what I'm okay. saying is, hey, pilots, don't come at me. Pay attention to the goddamn plane you're flying, but also don't stop listening to us while you're in the air and have a safe flight. Uh, also, so you are I'd now free to move flight. about the country. I don't like That sounded like an ad. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Please fasten your seatbelts. Oh, no, the captain has turned on your fastened seatbelt sign. I don't know if there was a fastened seatbelt sign in this plane, but they sure as shit needed one. Because they, so the crew ends up going down once again in another small plane. Uh, that has the pilot, Ernest, and his wife in it. Uh, and they are once again stranded in elephant country. And they end up like... No, I hate being stranded in elephant country. We can't <laughs> stop here. It's elephant country. <laughs> oh my god. We're in elephant country. 
<laughs> the great red shark is stuck in elephant country. Yeah, so they're stuck in elephant country and they like beat back a couple of brush fryers so that the plane doesn't explode and end up like staying near a river because they don't have enough clean drinking water. So they're just like, let's take sips out of the river. Uh, but then a let's bunch of mosquitoes an- show let's up. Let's not and say we did. Like, <laughs> let's a- not get parasites in the jungle. Like, you know what that sounds like? Just straight up polio that just sounds (laughs) like mainlined cholera Mm, this water tastes like tapeworms (laughs) my favorite favorite hey honey you remember that cocktail that we had one time that tasted like disease it came from this river apparently mixed only with the finest river water she's already slurping it up Uh, so they end up surviving that and they're like carrying you know, like camping out for a little bit but eventually they are like we need to leave and we're not getting rescued because everyone thinks we're dead we need to go they eventually <laughs> end up making their way through the jungle and emerge on the other side Hemingway has his head covered in bandages and the fucking dude is carrying a bushel of bananas in one hand and a bottle of gin in the other like an absolute fucking hero <laughs> like a hero I'm surprised that the bottle wasn't empty, but I think they probably went through a couple of quarts of gin on the way. I mean, no clean drinking water, but alcohol fixes everything, right? Um, actually, you know what? It does kill a lot of things, so... It's okay to drink the drink, uh, the river water as long as you have a <laughs> Have gin some on diseased hand, right? river water as long as you chase it with gin. Yeah, dude, honestly, maybe. I don't That's know. That's your how. cocktail. It's the Nile River special. Just a little bit of that sweet, sweet Nile water and a little gin to get rid of all the bad stuff. To everyone listening, we <laughs> know do nothing about the human body or the study <laughs> of, of gastrophysics. That's not <laughs> Gast- a study. <laughs> That's not a study, but it could be. But it um, could be. There's a whole person Gastrophysics grant- was only ever explored by one teacher, and that was Miss Frizzle. <laughs> That's so true. That is Gastrophysics. So true. Looking it up right now. Please continue with your story. Gastrophysics is a is a thing. Okay, again, there is a person who got a grant to study the physics of monster cars before. I am not surprised whatsoever. Listen, I'm I'm just saying, everyone, that I'm right. You are right. Congratulations. You get a gold star. Thank you. Megan gets a gold star this episode. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Gold star, <laughs> Megan. Thank you. The Thank more you. you know. The more, the more you, you know. know. So everyone is okay. They walk out of the jungle all bandaged up. They're like said, told, hey, you should probably go to the doctor and get some x-rays done. But everyone's not like too mangled up. M- Mary has a couple broken ribs and is limping and Hemingway's just like bandaged Fine. up in the head with a swollen arm. And he's like, it's all good, whatever. Uh-huh. He comes out all bandaged up and reporters are like, what the fuck happened? What the fuck is going on? And the absolute mad lad tells mad reporters... Lad. Well, probably taking a swig of gin. And I quote, My luck, she is running very good. <laughs> Just like, whatever, I'm alive. He's, Fuck it. He's such a lad, dude. Ernest Hemingway, the king of YOLO. The king of lads. <laughs> the lad master. The lad, the mad lad extreme. The uh, lad yeah. to end all lads. The greatest fuckboy that ever fuckboyed. He... Eventually was, like, taken care of, and he was, you know, released from whatever hospital or whatever that he barely took time in, because he's like, fuck it, I'm fine. Um, And he was also asked by reporters if he would ever fly again. And my sweet, sweet wild boy said... Not with that airline. He, he, no, his comment was, as soon as he found another plane. Dope. He's such a hero, dude. (laughs) I love him. So this rowdy rider gets into two plane crashes, gets stranded in Africa for a couple of days with, like, little water, but just enough gin, and comes out saying, he's like, when can I fucking get in the air again? I'm ready. Send me out. I still gotta make it to Kilimanjaro. Yeah, and his wife is like, you know what, sweetheart? This was thoughtful, but I think... I'm done. I'm done. I might go home. No more adventures. I might go home. I might go home. Darling, I hate to tell you this, but this was no Nazi hunting, and I think for that reason, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also imagining her being like, yeah, I think the ads with women bent over stoves is less terrifying than that. (laughs) I don't know, actually. I think, like, 
she was probably the most interesting woman at the cribbage club. <laughs> probably. Probably. I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my story of Ernest Hemingway just being like, fuck it. I'll die in a plane crash. Just kidding. I won't. Twice. Just kidding. <laughs> I... <laughs> He's He was like... I feel like Harrison Ford is the modern day equivalent where he's just like, I'm going to take a plane up. I'm going to crash it. I'm just going to walk away from that motherfucking burn. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Well, cool guys don't look at explosions. <laughs> Especially the ones that they were in. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> yeah. But apparently like nothing got too damaged. No one was really hurt. The only thing that got destroyed was their luggage. But I mean. And maybe. Fuck it. And maybe his wife's sense of adventure. Maybe. Maybe just a little bit. I don't know. Or maybe it inspired further adventure. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe I've already almost died. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say. It's like one of those things where it's like, I guess I've already come close to death. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, that's true. Did they ever... They made it to the top of Kilimanjaro? I don't know. No. (laughs) I actually have to look that up. I, like... I really kind of hope that he went back later. (laughs) It's just like, this mountain, I will conquer it. Right? Kilimanjaro. Not Kilimanjaro bed. What the fuck are you talking about, Google? Um, I just, like, I I understand how he feels, though, if he did go back and he was like, I just need to get on top of this mountain. Like, I need to summon it because that's how I feel about Mount Fuji. Like, I tried to make it to the top. I didn't make it to the top. And it's just a sore spot in my psyche. Yeah, I don't see anything that... Uh, of him actually summoning Kilimanjaro. I'm so sad for him. Kilimanjaro is also really fucking tall, so... Yeah, like, no. you have to... uh, You can't do it. It's it's actually not hard. Hemingway spent no time climbing Kilimanjaro, but saw the photo of the frozen leopard in Kilimanjaro. So he didn't actually climb it. But, but like, yeah, so Kilimanjaro is super tall, but, like, it's kind of... uh, gradual in the way that it it slopes up but you oh, do so it's not have a straight to... up hike no it's not like sheer vertical but you in order to like not get altitude sickness well it's I... exactly like everest you have like camps that you stop at right yeah yeah you have camps also i think like it is notoriously easy and there is something on that called like coca-cola road or something where it's just like lined with people selling Coca-Cola? Yeah, Coca-Cola. If anyone can brand a mountain, it's the goddamn Coca-Cola brothers. Like, <laughs> I yeah. guess that's it for American innovation. We've already claimed a mountain. Yeah, it's What else can we do? Route. Can you take the Coca-Cola path up to the top of Kilimanjaro? <laughs> we got lost on the uh, the subway slide, but I think we're going to make it to the Coca-Cola path. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. We are so far <laughs> off course here that I'm going to reel her in like a big fish. Megan, tell me your story. Big old fish. Got that tuna. Um, So I think like (laughs) you had the sea, Zach had the sky, but now we return once again from whence we came to the sea. So we're starting and ending at the same place. Yeah, just like Ouroboros. Tell me uh, a completely unrelated story to the ones that Zach and I both have. I have to interrupt. I, want to hear I feel like it's actually an Ernest Boris, but that's just me. Yeah, oh my Ernest, god, get out. Ernest Boris. That what I'm going to say that one was a stretch. The other that one, one was, was very, very the, the other one was less of a stretch compared to what you just did. Yeah. That one was just more terrible. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Both oh, okay. terrible. Okay, rude. That but... one that you <laughs> just did? Yeah. That's criminal. Shouldn't have happened. <laughs> I'm going Sorry. to jail. The, the wee-woo wagon's here to take me away. <laughs> yeah, wee-woo! So, uh, we are going to return to the sea, and I think there is, is a tendency to forget that famous people like Ernest Hemingway had families that they actually grew up in, because I know for me, I kind of assume that, like, famous people kind of dropped out of the ether, fully formed, and ready to do, like, great or terrible or really funny things. They were so... They were... I'm going to interrupt one more time. Yeah, yeah go, go for ahead. it. Is there an old man in this sea? The, okay. No, Come actually, on. there is There is no old man, actually. I wish there was, but there isn't. The um, old man Ernest in the sea. 
There, there is merely there is merely someone adjacent to Ernest Hemingway in in this sea. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, Ernest did have a family. More specifically, he had a brother named Lester Clarence Hemingway, who was also a writer. Uh, he wrote six books during his career, his most famous being a biography of his brother called My Brother, Ernest Hemingway. And actually, as you were telling your story, Matt, I was wondering if, like, uh, the quote that you said, which was from a biography, actually came from this book, because that would have been really funny. But this book was received pretty well by people, and it gained him a lot of recognition as a writer in his own right, even though he was writing about his brother, who was also a writer, but whatever. Um, and <laughs> with this, What are writers going to do? Write about writers? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. It kind of seems like a cop-out, but, like, whatever. <laughs> Um, so with this recognition came a nice financial windfall, which is kind of nice. And now you're probably at this point thinking like, hey, Megan, this guy seems pretty normal for having Ernest Hemingway as a brother. And I'm going to say, hold your fucking horses because I'm not done. And here we go. Get ready. Strap in. Lester, then you, Yeah. This guy yeah. seems pretty normal for having Ernest Hemingway yeah. as a brother. No, I know. I know. The pilot has I'm... told me to put fasten my seatbelt. I'm ready. Yeah, no. Fasten, <laughs> fasten your seatbelt because we're about to get to it. Because uh, Lester then used the capital from this book to construct a 240 square foot barge made out of bamboo, steel, iron piping, and rock that he hauled out about six miles off the coast of Jamaica into international waters, anchored it down with a Ford engine block, and declared it the state of New Atlantis. (laughs) I know I made a joke about the sovereign state of Hemingway, but he made that happen. No, he He made made this happen. happen. All right, he made this happen. This is not a joke. This is not a drill. He claimed the area around his new republic. He wrote a constitution with a typewriter that was taken almost verbatim from the American constitution because he didn't have time. He was establishing a country, dude. All right. He based the sovereignty off of the Guano Island Act of 1856, which which states that um, if there is guano deposits in a particular unclaimed piece of land or like really anywhere then the united states can claim it and lester argued that his raft was technically an island uh, uh, it was okay it was, it was not an island it was made of trash but it's a man-made island it's a man-made <laughs> trash island it's a man-made <laughs> trash island oh my god what i really love about that sentence is you're like it's not an island it was trash, and I can think of, like, five spots in any ocean right now that fit that same description. Yeah, I mean, dude, I hate that that's true, but it's right. Apparently, if it has guano deposits, though, we can go out right now, claim it as sovereign U.S. trash. So and... what you're telling me is... Yeah. It's okay as long as there's a steaming pile of shit on top of the trash. Yeah, Not dude, that's what I'm telling you. any pile of shit. Has to guano. be bat shit. No, it has to be guano. <laughs> Alright, has... I'm gonna bring a shit ton of bats to my trash island. Dude, honestly, as I was looking this story up, like the the Guano Island Act was was a point of a lot of curiosity for me. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened in 1856 where the US had enough time to be like, hey, so what if and bear with us? We found a piece of land that no one, you know, laid claim to. What if uh, we took it? And someone was like, wait a minute. Does it have bat shit on it? Because, like, if not, no. I also just don't understand how that becomes the metric. Well, no, yeah, here's the I thing. Don't... It's a bunch of guys in the boardroom, and they're like, how can we, like, claim land? We gotta claim land whenever we want to. And one guy goes, you're batshit crazy. And the CEO goes, <laughs> you're onto something. <laughs> Yeah, or they were like, we can't, that seems like going on to different pieces of land and just claiming it for no reason. That seems a bit glib. We need to set some parameters for this. Any parameters, really. Anyone. <laughs> anyone. <laughs> anyone. Come come up with a suggestion. <laughs> so after the Guano Island Act that he argued for, the, he wanted to do a lot with his newly founded micronation. But uh, neither the United States or Jamaica recognized it. I I know that this is a shocker. 
that they didn't <laughs> that they didn't recognize Trash Nation. Wait a minute. But... Why is your Trash Nation a nation? A batshit law. No, go away. <laughs> no, you can't have it. And he was like, okay, but like, whatever. I want to do good with my trash island because what he wanted to do with Explain. it was. What? I just... <laughs> I just wish I could have met this person so that like you saying he wanted to do good with his trash island could have immediately been explained by this gentleman. Dude, he wanted to do so much good with trash, like, the Republic of Trash. So, because <laughs> he wanted to establish a marine research center to study Jamaican fishing and wildlife. With a trash island? Yeah, with Trash Island. He also wanted to establish an aquarium. And I was like, bitch, you already on the ocean. You in the aquarium. Like, you don't need to establish it. You jumped in the fucking tank. Yeah, you're in the tank, dude. Uh, he also wanted to experiment with democracy, like whatever that meant. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so by 1965, New Atlantis had six inhabitants. And like, I don't know how they all fit in 240 square feet, but they did. Uh, it wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Oh, it definitely wasn't. Mad lad Hemingway V2 is sitting there. No gods, no kings, only Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, my my God and my belief is stronger than your laws. <laughs> I have to wonder if this trash island was smaller than Hemingway's yacht. Uh, all, you know what? There could be an argument for that, quite possibly. <laughs> Six, in 1965, Trash Island has six inhabitants, and they include uh, Lester's whole family. Uh, uh, he dragged <laughs> them along on this crusade, huh? Yeah. Uh, his whole family, which included Lester's two daughters, aged seven and three, respectively. Um, a PR specialist and his assistant. Uh, I don't know how they convinced this guy to get on Trash Island, but they did. I guess if you're going to have a Trash Island, you probably need a PR specialist. I mean, I guess. Like, it's it's a, it's a money move, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like a very cash money move of him. How cash money cash, you Cash made? money move. That wasn't very was cash a, money of you. I mean, but this was cash money of him. So, like, great job. Good and then job. they... They all voted unanimously to, uh, for Lester as president. And keep in mind that his daughters did vote as well. <laughs> okay, but like, hear me out. Hear me out. The yeah. guy who says, I'm forcing you to live on Trash Island. Are you not going to vote him president? He's just going to kick you off the raft. Yeah, it's just like, okay, daddy wants to be president. I mean, president, I'll be honest then, with you. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy no, I'm, I'm pretty sure president. I wouldn't vote yes on that. I was going to say, he probably sitting there being like, you want daddy to be president, right? You're going to vote for daddy. You're getting tied to the engine block on the bottom of this <laughs> yeah, thing, right? The engine block is waiting. The engine block is hungry. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't have Cthulhu. We just have the engine block. We have the, the all-knowing engine. Ford engine block. <laughs> the great old one. The old yeah. engine block. <laughs> Well, I, so I guess this is where the press uh, the press uh, specialist comes in as well, because the election had a lot of press coverage and made the front pages in Jamaica. So I don't know how he's getting the information there, because they were nine miles out to sea, but like, whatever. Quick, take a rowboat and take this story to the masses. Yeah, dude. So, after the initial founding of New Atlantis, Hemingway wanted to continue to fund it through the sale of stamps. Um, okay. <laughs> Ernest Hemi uh, no, I'm sorry, yeah, Lester Hemingway's just sitting on his fucking trash barge being like, have y'all heard of stamps.com? Yeah, he was like, so how are We're we We're a real podcast, we mentioned stamps.com. How are we gonna keep this bitch afloat? I don't know, stamps, they cost literally two cents. But whatever. <laughs> but the Universal Postal Union refused to recognize the validity of, validity of fake stamps sold by a fake nation. But he did go so far to mail a stamp featuring uh, Lyndon B. Johnson to the White House. And then he claimed international recognition when a reply came back from the State Department and addressed him as acting president. 
I mean, uh, I, I think that'll hold up in court. I mean, I think so, too. Like, you get a letter from the State Department saying, like, Madam President or whatever. You're just like, that's right. International. And then, like, Pitbull. <laughs> Can you just request that, singing. I wonder? I wonder if somebody could just be like, just call me, just call me Mr. President. Do you require documentation to figure out, like, what I'm president of or no? Unclear, honestly. But he was just taking anything that was given to him and completely running with it. Which I, like, really appreciate. It's the dedication to the craft. The tenacity. He is the, tenacity. He's the embodiment of, uh, give him an inch. Oh, He'll make yeah. an <laughs> island out of trash and yeah. call himself president of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then he was like... Well, I have my own nation. That means I need my own currency. So oh, he no. planned. Yeah, he planned on minting coins, but in the, the meantime, Atlantis he established dollar. out of what seashells. You're so not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so he names the currency the Scruple, and that it consisted. Yeah, it, it sounds about right. But like like Zach said, um, it, it did consist of like seashells, fish hooks, carob beans, shark teeth, and like other bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to have to fix this in editing because it's just going to be me fucking laughing in the background. Fuck. Yeah, like the fish hooks really gets me though. It's like, hey, that'll be ten scruple. And like, do the fish hooks cost? Like, are they are they like dollar bills and like? The yeah, shark like teeth? what's the what's the exchange? Be careful! Rate? A single scruple might give you tetanus. Yeah, dude, yeah, but like, I hey, guess the be question careful. becomes, what makes up a scruple? Is it like? If you've got one really good intact scallop shell or something, is that a singular scruple? And is that the, like, equitable to five fishing hooks? Yeah, like, Un- what's the standard unclear. they're using? Unclear, <laughs> They don't have a guys. gold standard. This is Very the guy unclear. that fucking reached into his pockets, pulled out <laughs> lint, and went, I can fucking do something with this. <laughs> I can do something. Which, like, again, I really appreciate. So after he he established the scruple and its questionable exchange rate, he also wanted to encourage tourism. Did he establish the scruple? Was it ever recognized? You're telling me this was, for a time, recognized as a currency? By him, yes. Okay, but that doesn't count. According to him, that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. He is a Hemingway. His three-year-old daughter had never known real money other than the scruple in her whole life. I wonder if she ever, like, catches herself, like, in later life, if she was ever like, (laughs) ah, yes, five scruple, I mean, money dollars. Money dollars. (laughs) I mean, good old art American cash. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he did have plans to expand New Atlantis. He claimed the sea floor below the raft as his. And uh, he wanted to create an artificial island by piling up actual rocks. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) I'm sure you know where this is going. New Atlantis didn't survive. New Atlantis Uh, sank. It didn't survive long enough to see these visions of grandeur realized. In 1966, a few years after establishment, it was tragically destroyed in a tropical storm. All those fucking scruples fell to the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) Oh no, the scruple exchange. The scruple exchange. But uh, I'm I'm a real The scruple exchange market. I'm such a fan of like this whole story because it's fucking it's, wild it's like a diy project that just got so out of hand <laughs> imagine if youtube was around back then and he's just like hi i'm here in my diy raft you two can be your own nation with hey. these five simple steps he's that dude that just like goes out and does things real quietly what's the name of that channel since we're equating this to youtube what's the name of that channel where the guy like just builds a house on his youtube channel doesn't ever acknowledge the camera what i don't know i don't know i don't know why i haven't found this yet there's a survivalist that like his channel is literally just 
Him he goes out into nature and he does things. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name of it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. He'll build like a fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. swimming pool in the middle of the woods and he'll be like, I'm cool. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about too. It's those guys and their swimming pools are rad. No, it's a different thing. Hang on. Oh, I'm okay. okay well, I have so... to look it up now. Okay. I'm here for the rad swimming pools. Yeah, I was also here for the rad sw- swimming pools. But yeah, like that's essentially what Lester was like and while i think it is really nice to to talk about ernest hemingway because he did have like a lot of wild things happen in his life he did have siblings that also you know they had their own lives that were separate from him and this one is is one that like i had never heard of uh and i just don't know how no one ever told me about new atlantis that's what we do. We talk about either. the things that no one talks about. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it, there's just like apparently not just Ernest, but everyone that carries the Hemingway name must do something fucking wild, apparently. Well, didn't he have like six siblings I as think well? So. Like, I, he. Because, you for know. For all he, six of those siblings, he had six more. And six more. Stop. Uh, he had five siblings. Okay. So there were six was, kids yeah. in total. You were you were close. I was close. Yeah, but like th- that's a lot of Hemingways that we don't ever talk about. Hear about? Yeah, that's a lot of people that we just don't hear about. So it was nice, sort of, getting to dive into another facet of his life. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. That was awesome. Did uh, Did Ernest himself ever say anything about New Atlantis? Not that I could find. They both did write about the World Wars, which, you know, was a nice, like, well, not nice, but it was a connecting piece between them. But I didn't find much in terms of them actually interacting. Oh, man. You know, like, I think that would have been like a mad lad party if they ever, if they ever had. Like, can you imagine, you know, Ernest visiting New Atlantis? That would have been great. I, mean, I really could, to be honest. Yeah, like I And I would imagine too. that he would have nothing good to say about it. Oh, absolutely not. He would have called it Trash Island. <laughs> he would have a thousand percent called, called it Trash Island. He would have been exiled. <laughs> Do you choose exile or death? From Trash Island. Yeah. <laughs> his brother would have been off the like, island. Yeah, his brother would have been like, you get sacrificed to the Ford engine block that lives below <laughs> us. Ah, uh, the Ford uh. Tacoma. <laughs> the Ford Tacoma engine block that kept New Atlantis Time anchored. travel, bitches. <laughs> but anyway, that was my story. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, everyone who listens to this uh, caught our caught our joke. Caught our running yeah. joke. Yeah, what was really, our joke, was, guys? Tell me the it joke. It was so subtle. Please tell really me what subtle. was it. Huh? Okay. Yep. No, I don't think you quite got it. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. That was it. You totally nailed it. Thanks. Good job, listener. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that we were going for a Dora the Explorer bit there. Did you catch the joke? Did you catch it? Good! Good. Oh, Swiper, no swiping. Hey, do you guys want this episode to end? I'm yeah, gonna... uh, before yeah. we end, can I can I give a quick little shout-out? I mean, yeah, you can, yeah. That. Yeah, so I just wanted to do a quick little shout-out, because I do what we colorfully call Twitter raids, much like yeah. Ernest Hemingway trying to get U-boats, except I actually hit some stuff. Ooh, shots fired! <laughs> um, oh Unlike Hemingway. So we have some wonderful people that we interact with on Twitter, and one of them uh, today happened to be Adele Bates, who is at Adele Bates Z on Twitter.com, and, or not Twitter.com, just on Twitter. I'm a dumbass. Just, um, just on Twitter. Just um, in but general. I wanted to give a shout out because she is an educator, which, congratulations, we try to educate here, even though we do it in the dumbest way possible. With but lots of swear words. You do it with a degree, but I... Applaud it because she also does it with swear words. She has a book coming out called Miss I Don't Give a Shit. And I thought that the combination of colorful language and uh, education seemed like something that we should give a little bit of praise to. Also, thanks for being so fun to interact with on Twitter for today. You made my workday go by real quick. That's so cute. Yeah, but other than that, I don't think I have anything. What about you, Megan? No, I'm, I'm all set. I didn't have to do any more math in this because finding out the exchange rate in between the scruple and real money wasn't actually a thing so speaking of uh 
Speaking of, I need all your fucking scruples or I'm never going to end this episode. Okay, well... Cough um, them up. Cough them up. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me get through these drawers. Let me, uh, let me see what I got. Here's all the bullshit that I just found. Zach, don't think that I forgot about you. What fucking scruples you giving me? <laughs> hey, hey, man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm out of scruples. I spent my last scruples on lunch money. Bullshit! Today. Give me your scruples. Okay, here you go. It all can right. literally be lit, all right. Zach. All right. <laughs> all right. Now that I've been paid, I just have one more thing to say. Yeah, go on. What the fuck, history? If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at The Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at triumvirate underscore pod and on instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.